Welcome to CTV News Trendline with Michael Stittle and Nick Nanos. Uh, Nick, the federal liberals and conservatives have been pretty close in popular support, I think it's safe to say, but but when we dive into uh, a seat projection, it, it's quite a different story, and you've got the latest on that. Well, there's, uh, there's a lot of movement, actually, that's been taking place, because we'd always talk about the structure of the vote. You know, the last couple of elections, the liberals lost the popular vote, but won more seats than the conservatives because of those big conservative wins out in the West, and those, I'll call those thin liberal wins in many parts of the country. But check out the tracking. So we model out seat projections using our polling data every month. We have the conservatives uh, at around 112 seats where we declared the conservatives a winner. The liberals declared winners in 96 seats. They're down, you can see, 22 seats. Uh, while the Conservatives are up seven, NDP at 17, Block at 32, which is good. The other really important uh, number is that about 77 seats are still too close to call. Mm. But what we're seeing here is that the old math that helped the Liberals is starting to unravel. And uh, right now, the Conservatives have the upper hand in terms of the projected number of seats that we can declare a winner because they're winning by more than 7%. So uh, so there's some really interesting stuff going on. So look, looking at your projection, as you just said, in, in Quebec, it looks like the Liberals have taken a, a, a pretty big hit. Yeah, exactly. And the Bloc are up in Quebec. You know, we talk about the Bloc. You know, they're, they're an interesting party because usually when their numbers go up, it has nothing to do with what they do. They're waiting for something to happen outside of Quebec. Right, like the notwithstanding clause, or the uh, or the recent kind of uh, liberal appointment that was very controversial uh, related to uh, uh, related to Islamophobia, and uh, and when stuff outside of Quebec happens, those block numbers, it's like they fire up their the block base, the nationalist base in Quebec, and the block numbers go up. So in the province of Quebec, uh, we see the the block doing well. And uh, and picking up seats probably at the at the expense of the of the liberals. Uh, what about uh, the surrounding area of Toronto, the in the in the GTA and the suburbs? Uh, what, what's happening there? Toronto's getting really interesting because uh, what we're seeing, at least in our latest uh, modeling on seat projection, is is that the NDP, you know, the the liberals are in trouble in uh, in in the area in, in Ontario where they could uh, they could lose a number of seats. And the NDP are actually uh, becoming well positioned because of the way the vote splits right now are are happening. So there's a bit of a NDP liberal thing going on right now in Ontario, which uh, is not good news for the red team at all. Well, we we talk about this too, Nick, that the NDP are in this uh, deal with the liberals to help the liberals govern until 2025. But but at some at some point, the arithmetic on that deal might change if if the NDP are doing doing well. Exactly. You know, if, if their national ballot numbers kind of push into the 20s and their seat projections start to look good, expect the NDP. So think of it this way. They're going to look for an exit strategy because you can't one day be part of a coalition government. I shouldn't say coalition. You can't mm -hmm. one day be part of a part of a parliamentary arrangement with the liberals and then the next day have an election. There's got to be some kind of cooling off period in between. Mm -hmm. So. Watch out for the NDP to look at their ballot numbers, to look at the seat projections that they're probably crunching also. And they're going to want probably three, four months 
to distance themselves from the liberals before there's a potential election so that uh, they can have a chance. Actually, that was the winning strategy. Winning winning is the wrong word. It was the best strategy and an effective strategy for Jack Layton. You know, like he didn't pull the plug on the Martin government one day and then go to the polls. Mm-hmm. It, it was staged. So there's no way that this will go to full term. A period, full stop. Impossible for it to go full term. But watch out for the new Democrats to look for an opportunity. The other interesting thing, Michael, British Columbia, that mm-hmm. is a wild province to predict when it comes to seat projections. And there could be some good news in the Nanos modeling for the conservatives in British Columbia when we factor the liberals, the new Democrats, the conservatives, and we can't forget the Green Party of Canada too. Mm. Uh, Nick, well, we don't expect a, a federal election anytime soon, but there is another one around the corner and that's in Alberta. Uh, Premier Daniel Smith will be hoping to get a strong mandate for her United Conservative Party. And this week she unveiled a pretty strong, I guess you can call it a pre-election budget. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, there's a surplus, which is provincial governments always, governments always like surpluses just before the election because that means that they could spend. And uh, it it looks like the the government is going, the UCP is is going to be... uh, spending based on the budget that was uh, recently released that they're going to be spending not just on healthcare but also on uh, education k to 12 mm-hmm. education so a big pre-election budget uh probably hoping to swing voters especially in calgary right because we know when we look at the riding distribution and the riding boundaries in alberta there's lots of rural ridings the ucp are strong in those areas the key battleground is Calgary. If the UCP starts having traction in Calgary, they can hold on to power. Hmm. Now, as you said, I think they're projecting maybe something more than $2 billion uh, in surplus if, if the budget is approved. And as you said, Nick, a lot of that spending is on health care, which I don't think would have been possible without a without a deal with the federal government. Uh, I, I, I can't let this go without talking about this. When Trudeau and uh, Premier Smith uh, met over this health care funding deal, uh, there was a, a bit of an awkward handshake, uh, which is sort of a tradition, <laughs> I suppose, with some some uh, conservative leaders in Alberta. Uh, let's, let's just watch this video. And for those listening on our podcast, essentially, I, I guess, Trudeau, you know, went in for the handshake and Smith very reluctantly at the last second uh, shook his hand. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, awkward. I think, Michael, that was so awkward. Right. That uh, that handshake, not to be confused. So I think we should now call that because she's not the only Albertan premier to do that. Jason Kenney, mm-hmm. when he's, he was the premier of Alberta, kind of uh, did the hello. Yeah. Hello. Nice to see you. Not the, and this should not be confused with the uh, for our listeners. This should not be confused with the Shawinigan handshake, which is right. John Cretchen <laughs> grabbing the throat of someone. Mm-hmm. Although mm-hmm. I think if you were Albertan and if we said, what's the handshake between the premier of Alberta and whoever happens to be the prime minister of Canada, it should be a Shawinigan handshake for the neck because that's probably (laughs) how a lot of Albertans feel. Mm. But the reality is, is that a in general, provincial premiers running against the government in Ottawa is usually good politics, but this is especially true in the, uh, in the province of Quebec and province of Alberta, actually in the province of Quebec too. But Mm. This is especially true in the province of Alberta, because we know from our polling that Albertans are much more likely to say that they're angry when they think about the federal government in Ottawa. And uh, and, you know, we're coming into it. So think of it this way. It's like, a, you know, 
Smith is luck counts in life. So she's got a surplus, a federal government. And why don't we just say that is hated in Alberta, a federal mm-hmm. government that is hated in Alberta. And she's got a surplus and uh, she's basically just got to pick up some seats in Calgary. That doesn't, that's not unachievable. That is not an unachievable uh, objective. And basically come down to, you know, can she avoid making a mistake during the campaign? Because we know politicians have a tendency to defeat themselves. Uh, it sounds like uh, Alberta NDP leader Rachel Notley might might face an, an uphill struggle, and and you know, and she has also been uh, photographed, you know, shaking hands with oh yeah with Trudeau happily. Oh, those so. those will be in the UCP ads. That was that <laughs> for another prediction. You know, the the uh, UCP election campaign will just connect Notley to Trudeau. You know, like shaking hands, smiling, and stuff like that, just showing that they're chumming around. Uh, you know, talking about the future and that, uh, and you know what, it's a lot easier. Uh, it's a lot easier to, uh, to run on that. I'd always kind of say, you know, when we're trying to figure out who's going to win an election, whoever it's about loses. And if this next Alberta election is about Rachel Notley and what I'll say, her friendliness or cordial connection with the federal, li- li- federal liberals, she'll lose. If it's about Daniel Smith, and some controversy or mistake, then her government could potentially be at risk. Uh, Nick, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, concerns over our economy. Super. Uh, Nick, a, a running theme of our show has, has been economic anxiety. Uh, you, you've got the latest numbers and how confident we are in the future. Um, what what does that tell you right now? You know, Michael, when you're saying economic anxiety, I had visions of someone on a couch, like a consumer, Canadian consumer <laughs> on a couch, yeah. saying, I'm so anxious about the future. Things suck. I can't pay the bills. You know, I'm worried. You know, we uh, we track for uh, we track for Bloomberg News consumer confidence every week. And uh, one of the one of the key questions that we track is we ask people whether they think the economy will get weaker or stronger in the next six months. People are three times more likely to believe that the economy will get weaker. It's around 48% weaker, mm. 15% stronger, and about 29 or 30%, uh, no change or thereabouts. So the overall mood is still uh negative for 2023. And uh and it's and it's just flat. I feel I feel like the economy is kind of like, you know, like a tire on a car that's a little bit deflated. Mm-hmm. You're running on it and you know that it's a problem. You don't want it to become a flat. Uh, but you're hoping that it will get pumped up. I think that's where people are right now. It's kind of like that anxious time. Why don't we say anxious time driving a car when you mm. don't quite have a flat tire, but it's underinflated and you're worried that yeah. uh, there'll be a bigger problem. Um, we, we've also talked a lot about concern over over housing costs. Uh, you know, in previous episodes, it, it, the number just keeps going up uh, and, and you have some new information on that as well. Yeah, you know, we uh, we recently did a survey for the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness, and we've been tracking how worried or not worried people are about paying for the rent or paying for the mortgage in the next uh, 30 days. And what's interesting is the trend. So back in 2020, we had a benchmark. You know, we asked people how they felt about paying the rent or the mortgage in the next 30 days. About 16% were worried or somewhat worried. About 82 or 8 out of every 10 were somewhat not worried or not worried at all. But check out the number now. So in the most recent survey that we just completed and released for 2023, 
that 16% of people that were worried or somewhat worried is now 24%. Mm. So it's up a full eight percentage points uh, over the last couple of years. And about three out of every four are not worried. But the interesting dynamic here, Michael, is that back in 2020, the folks that were most likely to be worried about paying the rent were young people, people that are under 35 years of age. So not a big surprise, right? But now when we fast forward, there's an increasing number of middle-aged Canadians who are uh, worried about paying the rent. And that's a big change. So the other thing is, I guess if you're over 55, you're not worried about paying the rent because or the mortgage because probably you have a small mortgage or no mortgage at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you're on a you're on some kind of stable income. So so a lot of anxiety out there and worry about just paying the rent or paying the mortgage is on the upswing. Uh, just to bring this back to the the federal liberals, if it's an older age uh, group that's that's now worried about housing costs, to me that suggests that that really goes into the the base support group of of the liberals yeah. and could spell trouble. Oh yeah, like it's one thing you know. People always say you know a lot of a lot of young folks don't vote. So, uh, but if uh, if middle aged people start worrying about paying the rent, how's this? I think housing is going to be the sleeper issue. Because, you know, the one thing that we haven't talked about that's actually quite important is that the Liberals have also announced that they're going to bring in 500,000 new Canadians. And you know what? Whenever we do polling, people are not against immigration. They just want it to be orderly. Mm. But where are they going to live? Like, if if there's pressure on the housing market today, what is bringing in another 500,000 people? And where are they going to live? And what impact will that have on the housing market? Mm. I think this is a ticking time bomb. Housing and uh, worry worry about our housing our housing policy and worrying about paying the rent. And uh, I think the Liberals are going to have to try to diffuse this before it blows up because it could be very ugly. Uh, you know, if because they're bringing more, more Canadians in and Canadians are okay with bringing in more people, mm-hmm. but where are they going to live? And it's a pretty basic question that I'm not sure a lot of provinces or even municipalities have a plan for that. Uh, Nick, I think we'll leave it there for this episode. As always, thank you very much. Thank you.